This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is the Big Show brought to you by Big O Tires and their spring super sale is here for a limited time only. Save big on tires and service with financing available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Austin Horton, Tim Lacombe in today for Jake Scott and Gordon Munson. Going to talk a lot of jazz, a lot of NBA here with Sam Amick in just a moment from The Athletic, Tim. Um, But I wanted to ask you before we get out to Sam, have you are you a go to the movies type guy? I am not really, no. I, I wasn't, I didn't think you were. Yeah, I'm not. Just because you've always led such a busy life that when you get free time, I would assume you would stay home and hang out and chill. That's that's my M.O. But I asked Lloyd earlier in the show if he was excited for the new Space Jam movie because we played Fly Like an Eagle by, by Steve Miller Band. Did you see the original oh, Space Jam? Oh, yeah, Did yeah. you like that? Yeah, it was good. It have was you really seen good. the trailer for the new one? I have. And? It looks interesting. Really? Yeah. Looks I like mean, a hot turd to me. Does it really? Yeah. Yeah. You're a big movie. I mean, you host a movie show, man. Today, yesterday, in fact, but the show today will celebrate at 7 o'clock. Fifth year anniversary of the movie zone. Good for you guys. Been doing Congrats. that for five years. That's really cool. No one even knows about it. So <laughs> make sure you tune in at 7 well, o'clock tonight. There was, a, there was a time way back when Ryan Hatch and I were interns. Uh, this is a long time ago. Um, and Ryan and I hosted an MB, or a student NFL recap show every Sunday afternoon, and I guarantee you nobody listened to it. But it was fun. We cut our teeth and did a great job, and then we did kind of get a following. I, I know people listen to that movie show, man. So you'd know more NFL than, uh, than you're letting on, then, if you did an well, NFL recap. I did recap. back in that, you know, <laughs> back in that if, day. If we want to talk about the 1997 uh, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, you've got us covered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got that White House totally on lock. Speaking of a guy that knows his 90s sports, let's get out to, to the NBA Daily Assist. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Sam joins us each and every Thursday. As you heard, check out his incredible work at The Athletic, something I have subscribed to since day one, and he is the first stop I make every single day that I check on The Athletic. Did Sam write something today? I got to see it. Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, joining us. No problem, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now you have you on the air, Austin. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I thought I maybe I should throw in a Gordon-like question at some point here <laughs> where I drab on and on for two and a half minutes and then circle back to the first thing I said and stump you because you've long tuned me out. But I'll, I'll leave that to Gordon. That never happens, does it? Never, yeah, never, not at all. Just weekly. Never. Uh, Tim Lacombe with me as well, former uh, college basketball assistant and a current rock and roll god 
We didn't even, we've, Sam, are you, do you play an instrument, Sam? I don't know. I don't know this about you. No, I wish I did. Um, my, my father was actually a, a very talented musician and singer, but, but the apple fell a, a little far from the tree. Well, Tim has his own rock band called the Party Hounds. Wow. Yeah, you, you know. I yeah, like it's, it. They fly on private jets. They're, they're a legitimate thing. Well, just because our that's drummer amazing. has, just because our drummer has a private jet. Well, da, 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 that's just a detail. That alone, yeah. <laughs> just it, it's not bad friends. to have high school buddies that that make it huge. But <laughs> good to meet, good to talk to you, Sam. Really good to talk Absolutely. to you. Enjoyed your article uh, or your column on on uh, an in depth look at Chris Paul. I think as I watched that game kind of come to a close last night, just remarkable what he's what he's doing right now. Um, what uh, what's your take after having an opportunity to visit with with Chris Paul on on what he's doing in Phoenix? Yeah, it is remarkable. It's been a funny uh, kind of full circle thing for me from as far as just being a, an NBA reporter who you know covered him in the very beginning was you know obviously blown away by how good he was uh, early on. You kind of knew this guy was going to be a Hall of Famer, but then on the back end of his career, and I I, I candidly shared this story with Chris in our uh, interview is I was like Chris you know I gotta be honest a couple years ago you guys lose to the Warriors in the second round um, you know they didn't have Durant uh, it, it just seemed like if you can't even beat the Warriors without Durant and, and if you know if Chris you know, himself was on the decline like we thought he was then what's going to happen in his career and you know I, I kind of it's the fun part of doing this job for a while is you, you kind of you get the guts as you get older to just to not run from observations that you had that were wrong. You know what I mean? So it was weirdly cathartic to, to tell Chris Paul that I had kind of given up on him <laughs> and, you know, and then just kind of get his response. And, but he's in a great place. He, he is, you know, doing a little bit of a personal victory lap here where the combination of that plant-based diet that he's on. Um, sorry for the noise guys. we got a chopper flying by here. That's um, all right. The plant-based diet and and just the different changes that he's made, they're working. And the guy looks like he could, you know, play until his 40th birthday. It's it's pretty incredible. It's all right about the chopper. Usually Howard Beck joins us on Fridays, like, from a police chase in downtown Brooklyn. <laughs> well, I, so. I was going to say, when the chopper started, Austin ran out. I had to grab him because <laughs> I think that's his they initial found me. reaction. They got me. Yeah. Well, I also, I, I'm a, a nuisance on live radio these days. We have a new puppy in the household. And so what ends up mm. happening is... I have to I have to talk while I'm outside because you know the the potty routine is uh, is, is beckoning. So that's part of what's happening here. You're a brave man. Uh, the the uh, the one of the things that stood out to me from your piece uh, about uh, Chris Paul and with Chris Paul was that he's the only guy left from the first round in 2005 still playing in the NBA. That uh, that right. includes Utah great Andrew Bogut, by the way, which the Utes had both the NBA and NFL first overall picks that year. That uh, that includes Darren Williams, obviously Jazz fans know about. The only guy left from the 2005 first round, Chris Paul. And to that end, uh, Sam, that's why I was with you a few years ago. I also thought, oh, that's the end for Chris Paul. That's it. He, we're yeah. going to see a decline. Yeah. And I dare say, I think he is playing his best. His be- it may not may not be statistically. I haven't looked into that, but I feel like he's playing his best individual season overall right now. It's up there. It's up there. I mean, we also I, I don't know where I'm at on that opinion in terms of like it's hard to guard against recency bias. I mean, you know, there were some some bad man moments in New Orleans. You know, some times with the Clippers where he was just a 
an absolute killer. Um, but he's playing great. And, you know, it's it's funny because the guys you mentioned from that draft, so Lou Williams is the only other player who's still going, but he's obviously a second rounder. And in this story, the one section that, that didn't end up coming to fruition was that I tried to track down some of those guys to kind of paint the picture of, of you know, the contrast between their lives and Chris's. Um, Andrew Bogut, which yeah, I thought I had a good – uh, relationship with Bogues, but I didn't hear back from Andrew, so that was disappointing. But, you know, he's busy podcasting. He's got his own podcast now. Uh, Darren Williams was the other one where I got his number, and, I, you know, I dealt with Darren, but we don't know each other now. So I reached out to Darren, and I was really happy right away because he agreed to talk uh, about Chris, and I thought that was kind of neat. And, unfortunately, it just didn't happen, uh, but it did make me laugh that, you know, like one day he hit me back and he's like, hey, man, I'm at my daughter's volleyball tournament. And, I mean, listen, not that, I mean, Chris Paul's doing fatherly things too, but it just, it, it, it was kind of just such a different look where, like, Darren is just busy with quote-unquote normal life mm-hmm. and Chris is, is out there winning games at the Garden, you know, all these years later. It's, it's pretty wild. Uh, so I actually, I'll come clean. I thought State Farm wasted a bunch of money investing all that time and energy into Chris Paul. Uh, so I, I would, I would make three. That would make three of us that thought that uh, you know he, he's definitely out exceeded my expectation of where he was. And and I actually got a glimpse of it last year watching him play with Oklahoma City. What he did there. Um, when everybody just basically bailed on that place and, and he made them competitive. That spoke volumes to me. Um, speaking of, of things, you know, that, that surprise you, we're obviously rounding down. The Jazz have 10 games left. But in your mind, um, what's, the, what's, what's the biggest surprise to you uh, of this NBA season? Well, I think before I give a firm answer there, I will say that uh, those Jazz, I tell you um, – you know, I, I live near Sacramento, as Austin knows, and uh, and they sure got King fans in a funk after the, the other night. Uh, Forty-nine point whopping without, I think, without what was it? No Conley, no Donovan yeah, in that game. That's I right. Believe. Yeah, last night, uh, one hundred fifty-four to one hundred five. And in fairness, no right. no Harrison Barnes and no De'Aaron Fox. Right. Yeah. And no Fox. Yep. And no Bagley. But you know, I can tell you them. It, and they didn't have a head coach. Care. The Kings last night. They didn't have a head coach. Sorry. What, what, I'm I just, that part. what that's, happened? That's oh, shade ouch. towards Luke ouch. Walton. Sorry. <laughs> that was yeah. That was Austin yeah. that is, being frustrated. I know you know Luke, later. don't you? Yeah. So I like Luke. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> Sorry, Luke continue. I, yeah. No, you're good. Uh but yeah, folks here it's one of those days where they thought that, that they were already uh in the basement and then they learned that they can mm-hmm. get even lower after that game. Um if I had to pick a surprise, it would probably be Phoenix, you know what I mean? Like when Chris went there you thought they were going to be a playoff team that, you know, not at best, but like, you know, he felt reasonably confident that that would be the case, but this is bonkers, you know, pushing a team. I mean, Utah should be my answer um, just because, and, and, you know, Austin and I have, with you know, Gordon and Jacob talked about this countless times, like everything they went through last year, you know, even us, we wrote, you know, the story talking about how the relationships were believed to be unsalvageable and here they are. So, um, the fact that the Suns could be an even greater surprise than the Jazz is a heck of a, an accomplishment. Um, you know, the Knicks have got to be on that list. That's one where uh, it's one thing for them to get in the playoffs, but to, to have home court in the first round is something nobody saw coming. So it, it's funny because I do love all these surprise stories, and they've helped a little bit, you know, take the sting off of all the 
the superstar injuries that have been such a bummer this year with LeBron and AD and, uh, you know, Joel Embiid and all these different guys, Harden and everybody with the Nets. Uh, you know, th- that's been a bummer to see guys on the shelf so much, but there's still been some pretty cool stories along the way. So, Sam, the Jazz and the, the Suns do uh, showdown tomorrow in Phoenix. Uh, the one in the West, the Jazz, the two in the West, the Suns. Game behind the Jazz are the Phoenix Suns. And uh, we usually have, a couple weeks ago when the Jazz played the Suns, we had a bunch of Suns analysts on the air that day, and everyone asked each one of them, who's better, Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell? And all the Suns guys, without exception, said Devin Booker, and all the Jazz guys, without exception, said uh, Donovan Mitchell. What says Sam Amick to that? Now, we won't get to see Donovan tomorrow, so we'll miss out on that. But what say you, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, who are you picking if you're on the clock for either of them? Man, you're putting me on the spot here in, in, the, in the Salt Lake City market. And I'm tweeting you know, at both of them your answer. So, yeah. Probably. I mean, Dennis Lindsay's <laughs> listening right now, Justin Zanuck, Quinn Snyder. No, they have lives. Um, they don't listen to this show. <laughs> they actually, yeah, they had, they know the answers already. They're not. There's no yeah, conjecture. Exactly. No, I mean, Devin's a bad man. Um, but, I, you know, I'm going to go with Donovan. I think it's the body of work. The, you know, I've seen Donovan on that stage, you know, even though they, they obviously lost to Denver last year. You know, what he did on that playoff stage was remarkable. And from a leadership standpoint, he's been asked to do more to this point of his career. Um, you know, and they are similar. You know, when you talk about guys who can be playmakers, do have the ball a ton, but are certainly not conventional. You know, neither one of them are, are point guards, but they're they're kind of a modern era uh, lead guard where they're, they're going to have a ton to do with directing the offense. But from a, you know, I just, with Devin, I just, I got to see it. Uh, in a greater kind of sample size because unfortunately for him, 83, you know, 80, if not 90% of his career has been spent playing meaningless basketball. And that's not all his own doing by any means, but we're just starting to see who he can be in, in a winning environment. But I mean, Donovan's been doing this for a minute now. I think you got to give him his respect. That's fair. Uh, so who wins the West? Uh, who's the number one seed in the West? Uh, if you had to choose right now. And, and obviously, uh, I think everybody here understands that the Jazz probably have that spot right now because they've been the most healthy team in the league, really. They've, they've averted major injury, but they're kind of hitting that little skid. So, uh, you know, I see Phoenix's schedule kind of softens up. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was tempted to say the Clippers, um, but I don't know the timeline, but they, you know, they didn't have Kawhi Leonard last night. Uh, I think he's dealing with a foot. I forget what the injury is. You never know with Kawhi. And, but they, you know, their culture is that they typically, you know, they're not going to make any kind of regular season push and prioritize the regular season. They're constantly prioritizing the playoffs. So and maybe Phoenix, you know, I mean, Utah certainly can hang on to it. And I'm, admittedly, I have not analyzed each team's schedule as far as strength of schedule down the stretch here. But as far as just, you know, where the different teams are at, I look at a team like Phoenix and I think internally, you know, if I was them, I would feel like, Hey, we want to go make a bunch of noise in the playoffs, but getting the number one seed, like why don't we already start the list of accomplishments that nobody can take away from us where, you know, cause if you, if they got the top seed, I think they'd be going into the playoffs with less pressure than any number one seed in the history of the game, probably because you still don't feel, it doesn't feel right to say, 
oh, gosh, they better get to the finals now. They were the number one seed in the West. Like, come on, get out of here. They weren't even in the playoffs for the last 11 years. Like, everything is gravy for them, which is a great place to be in. And, uh, you know, maybe they can push enough to get that top seed. Well, I, and so I'm going to I am going to pull a Gordon Monson. I'm going to ask you a double-edged question, uh, which is a no-no, but I'm doing it anyway because I don't care. So the Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz, the L.A. Clippers, and let's throw the Lakers in there just because. Rank in uh, in order which of them needs the one seed more to have better success in the playoffs, and then tell me whether or not you agree with chasing seeds in the regular season. Um, which one needs it more? I mean, the Lakers are not getting it, obviously. They're, you know, it's, it's crazy. They're looking at not even having home court at this point. Um, who needs it the most? I'd say Utah. I mean, it, you can only prove so much in the regular season. And so, you know, I think, like – creating as comfortable an environment as possible in terms of your playoff path, you know, is something that does matter to the jazz. Um, do I believe in chasing? I mean, yeah, I, I do, but there's a threshold where, you know, it's within the limits of kind of what you might call, you know, the respect the game threshold, if that makes sense. Like if you're trying to bend your basketball reality to the point where you're, you know, really not competing on a night where you should compete, then, you know, it's kind of the old adage about how you're, you're going to mess with the basketball gods and they're going to, they're going to get your back in the end. Uh, so a little bit, I mean, you talk to older players who, who can be honest as, as they get up in the years and they look back at their careers, they'll tell you like, Oh yeah, we didn't want to see Utah this year. So, you know, we slid down the standings a little bit. So it does happen, but uh, you know, I think it's within reason. Yeah, I kind of concur with you. Uh, this year, especially with everything everybody's been through, I don't know, you know, the number one seed doesn't necessarily put a whole lot of pressure. And I wonder if it really does, at the end of the day, give you as much advantage, um, you know, the way that, that everything's organized. But uh, definitely insightful thoughts. Um, I guess like last question I'll have for you is, I mean, if you had to pick somebody right now and, and you know, with – with uh, a little bit of reputation on the line, but obviously it's still April. Uh, if you had to pick one team you think would is going to hang a banner this year, um, what's the team you're picking? I don't know. I mean, it's, I'm going to sound really noncommittal, but you know, I, I feel like the easy answer should be let's just go with Brooklyn because they get all that talent. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, they've just been a train wreck from a health standpoint. Um, you know, they're still mowing teams over, and when you see Durant come off the bench and give you 33, you go, okay, maybe they'll be fine in the end. Um, but, you know, it's the Lakers, I don't know what to think of anymore, um, not just because LeBron and AD have been out for so long and AD finding his way right now, but, like, a lot of questions with their role guys that I think could could kind of, you know, catch them uh, in the end. I mean, it sounds weird. I think that the Clippers, who I don't trust at all, might be like my head tells me, you know, that they're as safe a bet as you can find uh, because they had, they took their lumps last year and they got embarrassed and they changed their roster as a result of it. Uh, and so now maybe that, that thing like the, uh, you know, the Pistons when they had, or I'm sorry, the Bulls when they had to lose to the Pistons before finding their way, maybe the growing pain has happened and, and now they're there. But, 
you know, I mean, Utah's there too. Um, that's another team that similar narrative, you know what I mean? Like, and really they've taken more playoff lumps than this version of the Clippers. So it's a very long winded way of saying, I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I actually believe you. I think it's wide open uh, more so than yeah. it's ever been. But I do, I yeah. think the, the little, if I had to pick one today, I think I'm, it's the team nobody's really talking about and they're rattling off win after win. It's the Clippers. Um, last year at yeah. this time, everybody's, that's all anybody talked about. Right. And the Lakers kind of took right. that advantage I wonder if right. uh, that's that's kind of my feeling on April 29th. And and they're playing. I mean, I can go along with that, Tim, because they're they're playing, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, like they're they're pissed off. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul George, especially against Phoenix, like I guarantee you, he didn't sleep well last night because he wanted to go be able to tell Devin Booker that hey, I just beat your team with your full crew. Although I think they didn't have Jay Crowder, but. That's one guy, but they had no Kawhi, and the Clippers still gave them a game. And Paul has been playing at a very high level. Everything you hear about what's happening internally with that group is pretty positive right now. Rondo's had a good impact. Ty Lue, I think, is doing a nice job. They feel really good, and it is super, super quiet in the kind of way that I think they love. And, you know, just got to wait and see if they can actually do something with that, that positioning. Well, I'm holding out hope uh, for many different reasons why, but one of the reasons I'd like to see the Jazz make the NBA Finals is I think we'd get to see a Sam Amick sighting in Salt Lake City again. <laughs> that would be fun. That would require me leaving my house. Austin. <laughs> well, like, yeah, you've got a new puppy. That may not be allowed. I don't, I don't know about that. Hey, uh, yeah, we, 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 we love you, brother. We thank you for coming on each and every week, and uh, we'll do it again next week. You got it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. That is Sam Amick, one of the good guys from The Athletic. Not only a talented uh, NBA reporter and writer, but just a terrific human. I love Sam. Dad was a great musician from what I've heard. He was. That was a weird start. I don't know why I went there. I was hoping he'd be like, yeah, I, I play a mean saxophone or something. But you thought we were going to put a little ensemble together. Yeah, I thought, well, let's let's get Tim on the guitar. Why, Lloyd, yes, could play the, play Lloyd could play the spoons. <laughs> the spoons. Someone's got to play the whip, as we talked about earlier. So we'll leave that one to Gordon. Do you play an instrument? <laughs> Before we dive into the NBA, since we have have you here for that let me steal some of your time and ask you have you ever played a jug it's like that uh scene from airplane you ever been in a turkish prison <laughs> <laughs> all right sam hamick our nba daily assist coming up next we'll uh, get back to the draft talk dustin smith of qb elite he knows all about zach wilson we'll ask him what he thinks of uh, his nfl prospects straight ahead right here on the big show some people call me the space cowboy Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. People talk about me, baby. Say I'm doing you. The big show, Austin Horton and Tim Lacombe here today. Hey, when I get the carpets and tile cleaned. It's never just clean, it's zero res clean, and I won't have it any other way. $33 per room, carpet or tile, this month only, which if you look at the calendar, that's today and tomorrow. $33 a room. You deserve the best. You deserve zero res. Schedule with zero res today. Let's get out to the zone phone because a big night tonight in the NFL draft locally as uh, Penny Sewell 
and Zach Wilson are expected to go top five overall. Zach is pegged at number two for the Jets. And our next guest, uh, head coach at Spanish Fork Football and owner and operator of QB Elite, Dustin Smith, knows Zach and his family well. Dustin, welcome back to the big show, buddy. Austin, Tim, how you guys doing? Thank you. We're doing great. Uh, let's dive right in because as I look at the Jets and I look at their recent history, of specifically of quarterbacks, the guy that had the most success there, Mark Sanchez, the last time they went to the playoffs, he may, took him to back-to-back conference title appearances and didn't even live out his rookie contract. They moved on from him. What about Zach Wilson and what you know about Zach Wilson has him set up for tonight uh, to maybe make things a little different there for the Jets? Well, I think in New York, uh, there's always going to be a, you know, a, a, a win right now type mentality. And I don't think there's a whole lot of patience there. I, I don't, you know, Mark Sanchez was a, was a, a elite level quarterback coming out of college. And I, you know, everybody expected he would go on to be a, you know, an elite level NFL guy. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I've never worked with Mark to really know, you know, how we would compare it this time in his career to Zach. But as it relates to Zach, football is the, it really is the ultimate team sport. And no matter how good you are as a quarterback, um, you know, there's some guys in the NFL right now, for example, you look at a guy like, uh, you know, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Um, Matt Stafford, I don't think's won a, won a playoff game. Matt Stafford's a, very good NFL quarterback. Um, you know, uh, Zach's going to go to New York, and if, if Zach, if they can improve on in the areas that they need to improve in, I expect that he'll he'll do well there. If they don't, he's going to have some similar struggles, I think, that some of the other guys have had there just because, you know, whether you're, you're Tom Brady or you're a rookie coming in, you, at quarterback, you do have to have some pieces around you to help you and it looks like New York is committed to that from what I'm understanding they're you know I think they're committed to making the right moves and obviously if if Zach's the guy they go with they've done their research and homework and feel that he's he's the guy and and I've said many times I think Zach he can make all the throws he uh he's athletic enough he's smart enough he really is just a uh, a, a connoisseur of football. He he wants to learn and understand things, and you know the whether or not he can handle the pressure and the the grittiness and toughness that you need to have at the NFL level, especially in New York. I think that's the big uh, question mark around Zach going forward. What uh what skills you know you mentioned that it, it, the rigor of New York and and that's like that's a whole different thing. Um, from your what you you've observed of Zach, what's your uh, your take on the things that he's got kind of in his pocket that will help him combat you know that situation? Well, anybody who knows Zach or you know Tim, I know in your in your world and in your profession as a coach and evaluating you know the difference between you know good athletes, which you know they're a dime a dozen. There's those there's those intangibles that really separate the you know the top one percent of guys and and those are hard to coach um there are things that kids you you just kind of see it i i saw zach his first time when he was a junior in high school going into his junior year that he came to a camp of ours and we had you know some of the very best quarterbacks in the entire western united states were here in utah and i had guys like 
you know, Mark Brunel, who's now the quarterback coach for the Detroit Lions, was there, and, and Ty Detmer and Max Hall and the Brandon Doman and the guys who coach with me there. And right away, Zach's arm talent stood out. Very first throw I saw him make, I, it caught my eye, the way the ball came off of his hand. But when you talk to Zach, and you, you see the way he handles the moment, the way he handles the room, you know, he's, he's just kind of got that, that dude quality to him. He's just, he's a quarterback. You know, he walks into the room and I tell quarterbacks all the time, same thing with point guards and things. When, when you walk into a room, if you didn't know anything about basketball and you walked into the Utah Jazz locker room in the, you know, the mid nineties, it didn't take you very long to realize who the dude was in that room. I think he just, he controlled the room. He changed the temperature of the room, whether that, you know, and John Stockton and, and probably Carl Malone and Tom Brady's got that and Drew Brees and these guys that are, Zach has that. He, when he walks, when he's around the other kids, whether it was in high school or, or in college, his his mentality is such that he, he doesn't get too up. He doesn't get too down. But what he does do is wherever his holes are, he's not a kid who settles for being good he 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 finds where those holes are and he attacks them and and becomes great and that's why i think he's gonna make it he, he really has that i can do it um killer mentality and and he's he knows he's pretty evil kill dude so then dustin let me why was there such a uh, at least in the media and on the fan in the fan bases why did there seem to be such a question mark with zach wilson uh after his sophomore season and now there were no question marks after his junior season at BYU. Because they lost some games <laughs> in Provo. If you lose some games, the quarterbacks, you know, there's there's something wrong with your quarterback. Or your, um, or your coaches. You know, I lived that one too. <laughs> yeah, or your coaches. Yeah, right. I had a coach tell me, Tim, you'll appreciate this. I had a coach once tell me, and I agree with it 100%. He said, you know, when the when you lose the game, it's the coach's fault. When you win the game, it's because the players played great. Yeah. <laughs> coach Rose might have you told know, me it, that a thousand times, Dustin. So <laughs> right, I, yeah, I've so. heard that from a very wise person, too, so I, I'd probably yeah. concur. But, you know, Zach, as, as far as what I saw in Zach, the difference between him early on and him later was, and again, I think this is to my point about how he he, he – he wanted to know where his holes were, and then he would address them. Early on in, in Zach's career – he had a little bit too much, I think, of the I can make every single throw, Brett Favre, sling it all over mentality. And later in his career, he took on more of the mentality of you know, sometimes the best throw in football is the one you don't make. Um, so when you throw away, it, it's living to play another down. Um, I remember working when Kellen Moore was still playing. He's now coaching with Dallas, but when he was still playing, he was in Utah. His wife lives out there, from the South Jordan area, and I worked Kellen out. Um, and I, I asked him after the workout a, a, a question on what is it that you, you know, the, some of the things that you had to pick up in the NFL that were different from college outside of the obvious, the speed of the game and, and the offenses and, and, and complexity of the defenses and things. And one of the things, I'll never forget what he told me. He said, I learned this one phrase, and, and uh, he said, you never go broke taking a profit. Take what they give you. Be smart. If they want to give you five yards, take five yards. Live for the next down. I know Kurt Warner always says, play the next play. Um, you know, And that's, that's the mentality that Zach took on this last year. It was that 
it's not there, I won't force it. If it is there, I'll take the profit and, and I'll play the next play and, and move on. And he's going to have to keep that mentality in the NFL because he's not going to, he's going to have some, you know, some rough games. It's going to happen. And, and, and it, it, I don't know that Zach has had a whole lot of rough games in his career, really rough games, um, you know, from high school, even in college, he's, had a lot more successes than he has had difficulties and so when he experienced that it might be a little bit new to him especially doing it in a media market like new york but from all indications with zach he's such a mentally strong kid that i i don't see it phasing him and i'm I'm optimistic at how long he's going to last in the league i think that you know it's fascinating i remember uh, i went over to a, a scrimmage um i think it was a spring scrimmage when uh, Zach was kind of competing against Tanner Mangum for the job. And I'll never forget the first time he ran out there. You know, it was the first series that I saw him take. And, you know, a lot of those things you talked about, just composure and the way he kind of controlled things really stood out to me. Um, You've been doing this for a long time. 2000, I believe you guys started QB Elite. And the names you have, um, you know, Dustin Smith is a headliner, right? Of course. Uh, From there, you got... Ty Detmer, Mark Brunel, you mentioned Kurt Warner, Coy Detmer, uh, you know, and then local guys like Brandon Doman, John Madsen, Ben Cahoon, uh, Max Hall, my former neighbor, Landon Taylor's on the list. How about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Landon's been, he, yeah. He, but but I guess my question, seeing that many guys come through since 2011, uh, if you were to put maybe a couple qualities, that what you know, you already touched on the things Zach does well, but just generally, um, you know, where do you rank, like, obviously you've got to have ability, uh, then that intangible you speak of. What, what order would you put those kind of things in? Well, we tell all the QBs, and this isn't me. This this is actually from the 49ers. Uh, it's a Bill Walsh and Steve Mariucci um, model. And, and so I took this from with Brandon and, and uh, Ty, who both played with the 49ers. But we focus on three things. And then the fourth one, really five things. The fourth and fifth are really the the deciding intangibles, I think, from the great quarterbacks. But you have to make correct decisions. You have to be on time, and you have to be accurate. So if your decision making, timing, and accuracy are there, then you're gonna you're gonna have a chance. The the, the two to really separating factors is is your ability to your toughness and grittiness and 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 your leadership. Um, and you know the the toughness and gritty. The thing about that, right, a resilient person doesn't know if they're resilient until they have to be resilient. I think we all think we are, and every athlete thinks he is, but most athletes, you know, these high school kids have been brought up being told that, uh, in some cases, that uh, they walk on water, and and the first time they realize they don't, and uh, there's some other good dudes out there, they they realize realize quick they're not as resilient as as they thought they were, and and, and so that really is the determining factor between all these guys. And I think that's why so many of these really good college kids that everybody expects is going to go do it in, in uh, the NFL. Maybe it's the same in, you know, in basketball when, when guys make it to the NBA is that then they get punched in the face a little bit by things and it's their ability to recover. Um, and it's different recovering from an interception and coming back out on the next series and, and leading your team versus, you know, recovering from three or four losses in a row and, and, 
and the, the you know the social media pressure and the fan pressure and and you know a whole country now that's watching you and, and saying you're a bust and, and that sort of thing and so the, the guys who can handle that and stay in there and keep their head down and keep fighting and keep their the leadership qualities um and, and so that the guys still believe in them they have a chance to make it the guys who tuck their tail between their legs and and uh you know make excuses for why you know they're they're not making it those guys don't last in the nfl Finally, Dustin, on the high school level, tonight we'll see two Utah high school products in Zach Wilson and Penny Sewell taken very, very high in the NFL draft. As you evaluate high school talent around the, around here and as, as head coach there at Spanish Fork, is this the start of a trend? Are we going to see more and more Utah uh, college or Utah high school athletes become college stars and then onto the NFL? I think so. There are some great great talent right now in uh in utah i think this is the start of of what's going to be a trend uh that continues the, the high school football scene in Utah. there's so many great coaches and um you know there's just the kids are they're just bigger and faster and stronger and they take it you know if, if parents will get out of the way and let the kids play and and um you know i my 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 other program Austin, that you're aware of, is a nonprofit program called Especially for Athletes, and we go around and speak at schools and and uh, work with athletes on how to use their time in what we call the sport light, the, the time in their life when sports gives them an extra level of attention in a way that uplifts and gives back and helps their community. And the the, the I'm in I'm in St. George right now, just speaking at Dixie High School uh, earlier today, and these kids are so sharp, they're so the the these 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 kids these age are they're just awesome they get it they're they're trying hard and when when parents get out of the way and let these kids enjoy sports and let them chase their dreams and work hard they're so much in my opinion just motivated and brighter than ever and and these these kids coming up right now in utah they uh they have the work ethic they have the focus they have great coaching around them and and i think it's the beginning of not only kids making it, but really good, solid kids who care about their community and they're, they're respectful young men, and, and they're going to go and represent our state really well, I think. He's Dustin Smith, QB elite, Spanish Fork High, especially for athletes, a really good guy as well. You, you remember the, uh, the Craig Fight pizza, Jordan, Michael Jordan pizza oh, interview yeah. we did? That was because of Dustin. Dustin hooked us up with that one. So, Unbelievable. A good guy, a good friend of the station. And uh, uh, thanks for joining us today, and uh, thank you uh, for being a good guy. Hey, thank you, guys. You, you do a great job. Thanks again. Thanks. That's Dustin Smith talking a little bit about Zach Wilson, high school football, college football, and uh, doing some good out there. He is a good, good man doing some good with the time he has. All right, coming up next, we've got a not sports report. And because it's not done by Gordon, it's one you won't want to miss. Coming up next right here on The Big Show. show not sports report time brought to you by lhm used car supermarket over a thousand used vehicles in inventory shop online at lhmusedcars.com zach wilson on the red carpet lo and behold guess who else is there with him mama bear his mom never miss an opportunity to 
be in front of she a camera. She had the leopard skin uh, mask on too. And She's then uh, doing the Instagram pose. Is she? Yeah, she had the art, you know, oh, arm yeah. on the hip thing. Yep. Uh, happy happy day for the Wilson family. No, but that's so cool. We're going to take a break from sports now. He's Tim Lacombe. I'm Austin Horton, and I want to tell you about a couple of pop culture things going on today, Tim. What is? What did you just put on? My pop culture sunglasses. Those are very. Uh, uh, what's the guy's name? The musician band leader on Letterman, Paul oh, Schaefer. Schaefer. Those are good looking glasses, there, man. Uh, all right, so. You're a music guy. I'm a music guy. Alex Lundberg, who's producing for us now, he's a ska. Yeah, he's a ska band guy. And uh, we need those types as well because ska shouldn't always be around, but we need it still. Like, it shouldn't be dead, but we don't need to hear it all the time, right? It's like cursive. You use it sometimes. <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that analogy. Well, Very rarely in an like dark corners of society yeah it's never really asked for but when it comes on you're like i can listen to this for a minute that's fine <laughs> kurt cobain kind of a not a kind of but really a tragic end and story but rolling stone has this uh this report that you know what an nft is tim like the nba top shot where instead of a trading card it's oh yeah, yeah a, a video yes. or, or a yes. collection of videos or whatever Correct. well the last session photo shoot which was the last time kurt cobain was photographed and followed around and reported on as kurt cobain the musician is going to be sold as an nft uh, it'll go up for auction on may the 3rd if you're a big kurt cobain or nirvana fan you might want to see if you can get your hands on that nft more than 100 pictures from that day it's got its own uh, website called the last session uh, you know, last former formal photo shoot he took before he died a few months later in the spring of 94. I was still a little too young to know about Kurt Cobain and Nirvana until I got into my teenage years and then found out about him. But I think there would be some interest in that. But along the lines of auctions and pop culture items, I heard Scotty G talking about this earlier. Uh, the tractor in A Field of Dreams that, uh, what's his name, Kevin Costner made the cornfield baseball field with that tractor the actual one that he sat on in the movie is being sold for eighty thousand dollars and scotty thought that a thing like that would fetch more than eighty thousand dollars i actually kind of thought so too you did because mm -hmm. i went that's a little too high for a tractor that no one needs to own well but it was in such an epic movie it's right. the tractor I it's know. not. <laughs> it's but, but I know it's it's just the tractor, and it? right. It's uh, you know how many kids you could feed with eighty so, grand. So I have a, a shirt uh -huh. that hangs in my band, my guitar room, that it, supposedly, right? It, I didn't spend money on it, but it was Sammy Hagar. It was one of the shirts he wore on the tour. It has a Sammy patch okay. on it. Okay, it's got a little barcode. So I want to figure out how I can authenticate it, but. You know, the fact that he wore it makes it a little cooler than just a shirt hanging in my closet. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I think that's where the tractor piece, I, I actually was expecting more. I actually saw here where the high the high bid on this NFT you mentioned yeah. is 2727 in Ethereum. So, again, we're talking about stuff <laughs> what? We, which, which equates to about $72,000 at press time. So that's where the bid was last time for the Kurt Cobain. For the Kurt Cobain NFT. Well, uh, so if you've got a hundred grand laying around, you can get the Kurt Cobain thing or the the Kevin Costner tractor. 
I don't know that. Uh, I, and then Scotty asked if there was something from a TV show or a movie that you'd like to own and say, this is the blank from the movie. And the only one I could think of was the Babe Ruth ball from the Sandlot. But I know the guy that owns it. Marshall Moore, he owns that ball. Uh, and it's actually on loan up at the Capitol. You can go see it at the state Capitol up there under glass. What's that in your hand there? Uh, it was just a baseball that was sitting over here with oh, Babe it Ruth's is? name on it. Oh, well, if you were, we could scribble Babe Ruth on that, see if we can't sell it before the end of the yeah, show. I don't know who signed it, but, yeah, it's a baseball signed by someone. Oh, it is signed? Yeah. Tony let Parks? Me, let me see that. I don't know. Tony Parks? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's Del Murphy. Oh, Murph. National League MVP, 82-83. Who's leaving this around? Who just leaves a Del Murphy signed baseball in this? No, there was no Del Murphy signed baseball. I swear, baseball I looked to my left and saw signed baseball. There when was, you were saying the Babe Ruth. And I'm there like, is no signed there's baseball. A there's no signed baseball in this studio. There won't be after I go home. All right, coming up next, we'll uh, get back to some jazz talk with NBA Sarah. That's Sarah Todd of the Desert News right here on the big show.